The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about Crunch Chocolate Bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. For anyone listening who has not yet seen the movie, we don't spoil this film for about 25 minutes of our conversation, and then after that, we start getting into the nitty-gritty details of the story. So... Please listen all the way up to that moment and then maybe pause it and come back after you've seen Black Panther Wakanda forever. Thanks. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about returning to Wakanda. Black Panther Wakanda forever. Ryan Coogler's sequel to his box office dominating, culture shifting, Oscar nominated 2018 film is here. Joining us to dive into the film is The Ringer's Van Lathan. What's up, Van? What's up, guys? How goes it? Van is clutching an angry orchard hard cider in the middle of the afternoon on a Thursday, which means he's ready to podcast. Amanda, are you ready to podcast? I'm always ready to podcast. Okay. Arguably the most anticipated movie of the year. Coogler's back. His co-writer, Robert uh, Joe Robert Cole, is back for the film. Of course, tragically, Chadwick Boseman is not back for this film, and so that's one of the major challenges of this story. First reactions. Van, what'd you think? Couldn't believe they did it. Couldn't believe that they did it. Went to the movie with not anticipation, with fear. With fear of, I've been very open about this, about the reality that I thought the character of T'Challa should have been recast the reasons why I felt that should have happened. I had fear. I had fear, not that the movie wouldn't be good. I thought that that was, you know, you have a lot of capable creatives. They were going to make a good movie that people liked. But I had fear of having to say goodbye to Chadwick Boseman again. Mm -hmm. I did not want to say goodbye to Chad again. I had to say goodbye to Chad once. Out of nowhere. Hurt. Very painful. And the movie had to do that. There was no way around it. So to have a film where we get swept up in this gigantic sort of uh, struggle between these two countries, these two civilizations, these two different sort of uh, perspectives is one thing. But doing that while having to remind everyone that we lost our hero, he's gone. And... That he is almost in the movie 
more because he's not in the movie because every single scene you're thinking, what would Chad do? What would T'Challa do? What would this do? And that's, I'm not trying to be unfair to everybody else. I was scared, but I left the movie fulfilled, you know? So it was tough. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say that for me, what you identified as working is exactly what did not work for me. This actually was a pretty disappointing movie for me. And I was, ex- I had the opposite of what you had. I didn't have fear. I had anticipation, not necessarily for the same reasons, but I love Ryan Coogler's movies. And I think black, the first black Panther is a pretty major accomplishment inside the structure of a Marvel movie. And the whole time I was watching the movie, I felt that there was a Chadwick Boseman shaped hole in the movie specifically because not necessarily just because I missed him as a performer or missed that character, though I do, I did feel that way, but more because it felt like the movie was constantly, and we know this from behind the scenes reporting, contorting itself to get to the finish line without him and without that character. And you could feel it in the, in the structure. There's a lot of story and a lot of characters in this story. And the thing that you just identified, Van, I think it's really well handled at the beginning of the movie and really well handled at the end of the movie. And there are these like hammerhead bookends on the storytelling that really work. And then in the middle, there's a lot of stuff. Amanda, what was your reaction to it? Yeah, this movie has to do a million things, but to to everything Van was saying, three very difficult things at the same time, which is one, emotionally, and uh, like just say goodbye to Chadwick Boseman, say goodbye to Chalice acknowledge the real world and also what that means for the story. Then it's got to solve for that absence, both within the story and within the movie itself. And then it also has to be a part of the MCU phase four. And that is just a lot to ask of any movie. And I thought that part one as Sean said, the beginning and the very end was like, was really moving. And then two and three didn't really work for me. Van is looking for something on his, on his shelf. Yeah. I was about to put my Malcolm X hat on. (laughs) (laughs) It's around here somewhere. Both of you guys. You're going to put us in that position? Yeah. Both of you guys proving yourselves to be (laughs) non-allies. I'll never, but no, I'm just joking. You know, um, that's, that's an elegant segue, though, to just explaining a little bit of kind of what the structure of the movie is about, because allyship is such a huge part of the story, and one that I'm actually interested to talk about with both of you guys. Um, you know, at the beginning of this movie, Queen Ramondo, who's played by Angela Bassett, and Shuri, who's played by Letitia Wright, and M'Baku, Winston Duke, and Okoye, and the Dora Milaje, like, they are all basically trying to protect Wakanda in the aftermath of the revelation, the sort of going public of Wakanda that happens at the end of the first film and also coping with T'Challa's death and figuring out sort of what the line of succession should be and what the future for the nation should be. And as they pursue their future, a new struggle emerges um, in in the quest. A new threat. Yeah, and whether that, that should be a threat is an interesting line of thought because the threat comes in the form of Namor, who's a very well-known Marvel character. This character is slightly modified against what his origins are in the comic books to represent sort of more of a uh, Mayan, Mexican historical representation living in what was once known as Atlantis in the comic books, but now is a kind of a different nation altogether. 
that nation is the only other place in the world where vibranium exists. And so, like, the way we get into this story that is— That we know of. That we know of. That's a good point. Um, and vibranium, of course, the very precious metals that uh, makes Wakanda one of the most powerful and futuristic and, um, and, you know, modern cities in the world, or countries in the world. And also that we didn't really know that until T'Challa basically revealed it to the world. Um, so the movie has a lot to do. It has a lot of story to tell. I think I've said on the pod before, I don't know if you remember me saying this, but I'm like, I, I think I screamed into the, pod, the microphone once, like, where is Namor? Like, I want Namor in my Marvel movies mm-hmm. because he is, a, you know, he's an authentic, this is a broad stroke, but he's kind of like a Don Draper type in the Marvel stories where he's like Interesting. pure anti-hero, but he's really good at what he does. So you can't help but be attracted to him. Um, the movie, I think, in my opinion, best serves him in a lot of ways. Um, he is the uh, Tenoch Huerta, the actor who plays him. It's really dynamic. Um, there's a lot of historical, like, throat-clearing origin story. But by the time he emerges as a sort of chief rival in the story, it picks up for me. Um, Dan, did you have a lot of expectation around that part of the story going into this? Well, Namor is a very old character. And he's, uh, a lot of people don't know, he's one of the oldest characters in Marvel. He's one of the three first characters Marvel ever had. And he has been someone who has uh, changed over the years. But he's sort of an indicator of cool. Namor makes his story cooler. Namor does cool things. Even when those things are unsavory, guys. The Fantastic Four together, they're a family. Namor is trying to have sex with Sue Storm. <laughs> okay? He, Namor, Namor is a hero, but really because he does heroic things tangentially to keeping Atlantis in the comics, Talokan in this movie, uh, from being attacked by people. Everything that he does is in service to someone, which seems noble, but also everything he does is in service to someone, which someone sometimes means that Namor makes binary decisions. Mm. If it's me or you, it is always me because I have to protect the people of Atlantis. If protecting the people of Atlantis means protecting the world, then I protect the entire world. But if protecting the people of Atlantis means destroying the world, then the world must be destroyed. And we see him, we see the character go back and forth. I thought that they served Namor well in this movie. I thought that, I think that one of the the trickiest things about the MCU is how you adapt a character and make their motivations, their history, and their place in your universe believable to people um, who've read the comics and to people who've never read them. And if you watch Namor in this movie and you've never seen Namor before, you don't know anything about Namor, you believe in the character. And that was very important that they did that. So Amanda is one of those people. Hi, Van. Lennox Mall. <laughs> That's true. But <laughs> they did not, I did not learn about Namor at Lennox Mall. So I, um, was there, there wasn't a comic store at Lennox Mall, was there? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. As we sat down, we were all in the IMAX theater together, which was which was lovely. I really enjoyed that. Part we of all the saw it together. That was nice. Yeah, the and, it was, team, and it was lovely to see Van. Team. Yeah, that's one of the raggiest IMAX theaters. I'm not gonna lie. I've been to, I've been to IMAX yeah. theaters all over LA. They gotta do better. I'm not gonna call them out, but they gotta move those. We got they gotta move the screenings back to the other place that we would go. You literally just called on. them out, Ben. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
like it there. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you saying? So before the screen started, were we talking about it? Yes, because there was there's kind of like the holding place on the the holding image on the screen. Oh, the poster. The poster. Uh, and Namor is featured prominently. And Sean turns to me and he's like, yes, so that's Namor. You know about Namor? And I said, no, I have, I do not. <laughs> and Sean was just like, cool, okay, you're going to learn a lot about Namor. Yeah. And then I'll tell you a lot about him. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be a total asshole here because I agree that Tano's Huerta was, like, was very good and very compelling. And also, I think, Everything that you guys just said is way more interesting than what I saw in in the movie. Really? Yes. And part of that is just because, so I'm a non-comics person and I'm not an MCU fan. I really liked the original Black Panther. There are certain movies that I really enjoy. There are certain movies that don't work for me. I consume them as movies and not as an extension of the comics world or as a comics consumer. So even like learning who these people are and how the movies ask me to learn who a new character is, to learn how the character relates to the rest of the world. There's just kind of a limit to how many of how much information I can keep in my head at, at any one time. And so I was just like, okay, okay, so here's another person and here's another world, but I'm just getting reacquainted with with Wakanda and this world, and I'm also trying to understand what it's going to look like without Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa, which was the character that I spent all of the last movie investing with and understand. You know, there's just like a certain amount of learning and situation that I can do in any one movie. And beyond that, I'm just not really connecting. And I just, it was just overstuffed, Van. That's what it was for me. I Because so I started I, at a deficit. So I sometimes wonder about this. And I'll, I'll tell you why. As a comic book reader, as an avid comic book reader, I, I always encourage kids to read comic books because it flings your mind forward. And I know people don't think this, but it does. So I'm 9 or 10 years old, and I'm reading X-Men, right? And Jean Grey is a telekinetic. Well, what does telekinesis mean? That means the ability to move things with your mind. Okay, now why can't she do this? Like the explanation of the powers, all of this stuff like that. Like it yeah, kind of— There's science. Yeah. There's science, right? And then they keep adding more shit. Yeah. Like, at first, Cyclops can, like, uh, like blast things out of his eyes. Then you read another book, and it's, oh, because Cyclops is has his eyes have a channel to a different dimension where that energy flows freely, and it's trying to escape out of his eyes. And you're like, oh, my God. And they keep upping the ante conceptually with you till, really, from line to line, page to page, panel to panel, Whatever they throw at you next, if you got to read the page again, you got to read the page again, but you accept it and you move on. I often wonder about MCU movies, like how do people get on board with the Infinity Stones? When when you watch Loki, the Infinity Stones have now been rendered inert. They don't even matter anymore. But for a whole 10-year period, everybody was going after them. And with this movie, I think that there was probably a little bit more Namor in this film because there was a little bit less T'Challa. Yeah. So, so I I understand it. I thought Namor was by far the best part yeah. of Wakanda Forever. Like, by far. They nailed the character in a way that I didn't think it was possible to nail him. So I was really excited about it. I loved the movie. 
Um, I thought that this movie was better than the original, which I'm getting really? flayed for. Yeah, definitely. I'm getting flayed for. Um, but yeah, so I, I get it. I understand it. But Amanda, she's got to... You guys, you gotta loosen up, baby. I know. You gotta I, get on the back I of the. Tried. You gotta ride. The, you gotta ride the unicorn, well, Amanda. So ride the whale, in Amanda. This case. I'm trying. Why, ride the Amanda. I, ride the whale. I, I have to get be on honest, the whale, I, Amanda. I think when the whales started floating through to do whatever the whales did is when I was like, oh, all right, okay, like I, he can talk to the animals. Either you're in or you're out. Well, I think you know, I, no, I was out. Okay, but well, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I, I did not. Usually, then we do episodes like this. Sometimes you're on them, sometimes you're not. But right. uh, Amanda goes to see a Marvel movie with me, and I start explaining the lore, and I start getting excited, and I start projecting a movie into this podcast that didn't exist. What I start projecting okay. is my adolescence, you know? Right. And I'm so excited, and I've been so excited in the past that my adolescence runs movies. And somewhere along the line in the last few years, I've kind of lost touch with that. You know, I've, got, I've been increasingly d- disappointed with where Marvel is gone, but I was holding out hope for this mm-hmm. one because, sure. I, like I said, I really believe in Coogler. I like the first one a lot. And the, one of the things that I liked about the first one is still present in this movie, but it's just not done as well, which is that his movies always have a big, dynamic, real-world theme in them in a way that I don't think many Marvel movies do. Or if they do, they're, they're not as clearly rendered. So, like, I always felt like the first film, this is not a radical thought by any means, but the first film is very much the story of, like, is it better to be isolated from the outside world, or is it better to pursue justice and maybe even dominance with a kind of radical, almost violent, Black Panther-esque, American Black Panther-esque point of view? And that Killmonger against T'Challa is the primary battle of that film represents something that is at the heart of struggle in America and around the world for a long, long time. I thought he did it really well, personally. Now, you can pick and choose and say, well, this fight scene was bad, or I didn't like this performance, but that was the primary driving force of the film. This film, similarly, has a theme in it between Namor and the idea of Wakanda, which is the question of allyship, especially allyship among Latinx and Black communities, right? Like, that's, that's something that is a primary aspect of this story. And is when, when these two communities, if they, if they choose to come together, they can be incredibly powerful. But there are also forces in the world that are seeking to divide them. And if they let that division take, take place, there's a kind of chaos. And then those who attempt to divide hold power. That's also a really, really strong idea for a movie, especially a Marvel movie. Unfortunately, this movie has like four other themes like that going on. Like grief, for example, would not have been a theme of this movie if Chadwick Boseman had not passed away, tragically. But they have to make it a core part of the story. In fact, they have to open the movie by addressing it head on. And so what gets lost is we're like an hour and 40 minutes into the movie before I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually about this. Or this is what the story originally was until they had to jerry-rig it. And then we're really deep into a story that has like 14 characters when maybe it should have had six. So I, I just genuinely really struggled to enjoy the movie because of all of that stuff that we're talking about in the middle. And Van, to your point, I agree that there was probably more Namor because of the lack of Chadwick Boseman and 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 that the movie needs that from like a charisma and presence perspective but at the same time it definitely felt like they had an orig- they had a script and then Chadwick Boseman died sadly and was no longer part of it and so they had they tried to write all of that in but they kept so much they kept more of the original script 
or like, you know, or that they just weren't willing to get rid of everything that they wanted to do. And it just didn't fit together well enough for me to contain it all in my mind. You look like you, on the tip of your tongue, you have the worst insult you could possibly yeah. levy at your I'm ready colleagues. To fight. Yeah, <laughs> but you, you knew this was coming. I saw you. I, 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 know, I, I know. said goodbye. I was like, I thought this was terrible and I can't wait to talk to you about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so here's the thing. There's So there's a couple of things. Number one, I I, I love everyone. So I'm going to lovingly call you guys out. I think I'm going to call you guys out and then I'm going to agree with you. Okay. And then I'm going to hug. Okay, I great. Like Let's guys. go. Okay. First thing is, I think that there's grace that people don't give comic book movies that they give to other films. Like, did you guys see Tenet? I, I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys like Tenet? I did. Yeah. Now, the fact that you would sit down and Tenet, a movie that, like a lot of Nolan's movies, asks you to do so much work. Mm-hmm. You sit down and you watch Interstellar and Nolan has partnered up with Kip Thorne and he's asking you to understand relativity, relativity, singularity, and all of these things. Wraps it around a narrative that is sort of understandable, like human loss, suffering, parenting, but look, all of this stuff. I think that there's a grace that we give to quote-unquote serious films or real films. I know a lot of people who loved Inception. They don't understand it. I could go on. You know what I mean? That we don't give to comic book movies that are asking a lot of us because we don't think a lot of times that the juice is worth the squeeze. Mm -hmm. And That's 100% right. But not for me. (laughs) You're on the wrong podcast because I'm the chief Nolan hater. But for me, like then... You're totally right. Like, and and you're right that I sometimes I'm like, I, part of me, my brain just shut off once it was just like little winged feet. No, well, the fighting always turns it off. But, you know, there was one thing too many, which was just like comic book stuff. And my brain just says no. And Now, let me tell you something here. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Amanda. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say that is a, yeah. a completely true statement about me. So let, So let me tell you. About the winged feet. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Because that's because Namor's a mutant and his everything else that Namor can do comes from the fact that he's Atlantean. Right. The one mutant thing about Namor is that he's got the the winged feet. Right. He can fly. He can fly. So for us, we're looking at the trailer to make sure that they winged his feet. Yep. Yeah. Like we're like, we're like, because we're thinking if you don't give Namor the winged feet, if you're saying, hey, that's a little bit too kooky. That, that can't exist. And if you don't do that, then we go, ah, fraud. I've been doing this since 1987. Fraud. Gotta have the winged feet. So I'm saying I get this. And this is this is the thing that's important about comic book movies. And this discourse, in all seriousness, is important because what you want to make is a movie that obviously is fan service, but at the same time is broad enough to... So it's the, it's the film's responsibility, to be honest with you, to try to bring yes. the Amanda Dobbins in. It's it's the yes. film's responsibility to do that. And it's not your fault. Like, if you're, like, not a comic fan, I'm not pulling that card. I'm just saying, some of it you just kind of got to let go. So, so some of it, okay, yeah, you're no, in a no, world. No. I, yeah. I, I, no, I do understand that. And, and I do think that there are m- films within the MCU, including the original Black 
Black Panther, which that did it for you, that do it for me. And yeah, there are reasons why. And you just made a really good point that I want to revisit when we kind of talk about Marvel writ large, which we will have to do. But this idea of is the movie or are these movies and products trying to draw the Amandas in anymore? Because I they have like, to. Well, maybe they have to, but I don't know whether they are. And I, I kind of mm. felt that this movie was just not really for me. And that's okay, honestly. I, I mean, I, they don't make that many movies for Amanda, but they're, they're, <laughs> you're allowed to have movies that are not for me. But I do think I have noticed a change as the MCU, you know, marches along from those bigger tent um making it for everyone type approaches to it's Namor and does he have the winged feet because he's a mutant you know what I mean like I, it's just it's a little bit what you're trying to do what why are you laughing at me I just <laughs> that was that was so fun because it's Namor and because when you say it like that it does sound ridiculous I'm so sorry <laughs> I, I just, you know, I kind of right. can't. But here, okay. So yeah. The one thing that I, so I, I, I forced, as soon as I got a sense of the, like, action set pieces in the movie fairly early on, I was like, oh, fuck, mm-hmm. Amanda's going to really hate this. Um, right, right. But I, what I tried to appeal to you with a little bit is that a lot of the characters, most of the characters, honestly, the legacy characters in Marvel. Mythology. Are based yeah, on mythology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I you, do know that. Yeah. And you also, study sure. the classics in school. And, you understand Greek and Roman mythology and the histories there. This film introduces the the concepts of, of Mayan uh, mythology yeah. and, and these historic cool. figures. It's like pretty accurate to those mythologies. Mm-hmm. So in that way, is there any like suspension of disbelief where you could watch it the same way you might watch Clash of the Titans or, or or Troy, you know? Well, I don't watch Clash of the Titans. Well, maybe you should. And, okay. Quality, quality <laughs> flick. Yeah. And then... Sam Worthington, Henry Hamlin. Not that it. one. The original one. Oh, my God. Henry Hamlin. With Lisa Rinna's husband. Yeah, Harry Hamlin. Yeah. yeah. Harry, Harry Hamlin, yeah. yeah. Did you say Sam I Worthington? Like, I like that one, though. I like the Sam Worthington <laughs> one. I like the Harry Hamlin one, too. But I like the Sam Worthington one, man. Check out Harry right, Hamlin I, first. Yeah, okay. watch the Harry Hamlin. Harry Hamlin's like incredibly handsome. It's tight. Okay. Yeah. So do we need to, uh, we don't need to have the mythology thing. No, I, 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 I just studied, tried to, I suggested that because To I, the extent that I know about mythology, it was one because I had a book, just like an illustrated children's book, Dolaire's Book of Greek Myths, which I'll give Alice when she's old enough. Okay. Um, so I just like learned about them. And then I studied them in college as to understand building blocks for how other stories Story. are told yeah. and yeah. kind of just like the just linear like Stanley thing and Jack over- Kirby. That's what they did. Mm-hmm. Sure. But you know, even there you're studying an interpretation and an evolution of these characters. And I don't know if you actually filmed like real Hermes, you know, mm-hmm. and we're like, Hey, look, it's the, you know, God of mischief and he has wings on his feet or whatever. Like, I would think that's silly. You know, like I said, I don't watch Clash of the Titans. So you're thinking of Loki. He's the God of mischief. And he is in fact a uh, character in the Marvel comics films. Isn't okay. that great? Two different things though. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Loki is the God of mischief. We're talking, you're talking about Norse mythology. Yeah. And then when you're talking about Hermes, you're talking about Greek, Greek and Greek Roman. Mythology, mythology. Yeah. Anyway. Greek and Roman. Okay. So we don't have to get bogged yeah, down by it. So, but, but so here's the other thing. I like and this. and this maybe is this is a way, <laughs> maybe we <laughs> could talk about how the movie looks 
for a bit. Yeah. Okay. But before we talk about that, can I can I address one one yeah, other point please. that Sean was making? Please. All right. So also, Sean, this is why I love Sean because Sean sees the big picture. I never want. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's the name of the yeah. show. God damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is the second once... pod this week where you turned in and you looked at me and you said, "This is why I love Sean," and I just felt yeah. I felt really good about it. It's true. I never once thought that this movie was about black and Latin people coming together. What? Oh, really? Never. So you like it even more now? <sighs> well, I mean, yeah. You know, I, okay. I love my my brown brothers and sisters. You know what I mean? Is my reading wrong? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that I never thought that that was like a thing. I thought mm-hmm. that uh, th- th- that could be. And maybe everybody's going to be like Vance. But what I looked at was Talo Khan and Namor being the uh, the catalyst that was either going to... Wakanda lost its king. And in losing its king, what, had, what it had to do throughout the entire movie was let the world know um, that it hadn't lost its nerve, mm-hmm. that it was still the same place, that it still had the same strength, that it still had the same resolve. But that was a lie. Like, inside the country, there was a crisis happening. Wakanda was becoming cold. Wakanda was becoming desperate. Um, they didn't know. There was no leader. There was no protector. There was no sense of safety. The country had been safe. It had been something that uh, was untouchable. But now, people were trying to attack. Namor set foot on Wakandan soil. They attacked a Wakandan outreach center. There was nobody to take up the mantle of the Black Panther to make everyone feel like they were together and they were just losing, losing, losing. I think what Shuri's arc in the movie at the end was to put the safety and the spiritual health of her country first over her vengeance. That's what a ruler and a protector does. Mm -hmm. And to get to that point, you had seen a lot of things. You had seen the queen die. You had seen... M'Baku change. M'Baku at the beginning of the movie is like, we got killed a fish man. Then he realizes that, hey, like in this situation, an act of war is not what we need. We need to think about the people. We need to get back. We need to be whole again. And so I think the movie was asking a question was whether or not this world, whether or not this country, whether or not this group that we had sort of uh, fell in love with in the first movie, whether it could be whole again without Chadwick Boseman. I think, for me, that was the driving force. Can we be, when she goes to the ancestral plane, we know why she didn't see Chad, right? Um, She saw Killmonger. This is a conversation that Amanda and I yeah, had yesterday. I would, I, I would love Before. for you to, no, 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 no. My question to you is why? How and why? She, she saw him because, so when, because when you go to the ancestral plane, you're answering a question. So when Chad went to the ans- when 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 um when uh when Black Panther went to the ancestral plane, he saw his father because he had questions from his father about why his father had killed his brother, why his father, who he thought was the seat of nobility, represented this long line, and he thought everybody was together and 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 that. Being Wakandan was the top thing, that it was the number one thing. There was this sense of nationalism and pride from ancestors, but more than anything, they took care of one another. His dad, his dad killed his brother. So he's like, How? How could you kill your brother 
and orphan this child in America when we're all supposed to be fighting together and we're supposed to be this one thing and everything else is supposed to be like you're a hypocrite. So he had to work that out with his dad. Shuri did not want to be the Black Panther to protect Wakanda. She wanted to be the Black Panther to kill the man that killed her mother. That's the exact same reason Killmonger wanted it. Killmonger wanted to be the Black Panther for revenge. Rage and so revenge. She, yes. Rage okay. and revenge. So, so when she got to the ancestral plane, she manifested what her emotions were telling her. And then at the end, she had to learn how to be a ruler. And she still wasn't the ruler of Wakanda. So when I looked at all of these things, I think the framework of the movie in addressing like what this world is now that he is gone, I think I bought into it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The movie is this interesting object of creativity because you can feel where changes are made and you can feel what was in the original intent. That's an example of a new addition because of Chad's loss that I think is effective, that like leads us to a path where we get to the end of the movie and we feel really satisfied emotionally by one character's arc. But then there are all these other decisions. I would love to know, for example, whether the, um, and we're sort of fully in spoiler territory at this point, but whether the, Ironheart character, Riri, Riri Williams, was always a part of this story because she's a, you know, she's played by Dominique Thorne. Uh-huh. She's sort of the plot engine in, in some ways. She plays a, a little bit, a kind of young genius developer, you know, a sort of like a product inventor who creates the first ever vibranium detector. And that sort of leads the Wakandans and Namor and the and Talakan to her. There's a sort of quest to capture her. And then the movie also simultaneously kind of becomes like a backdoor pilot for the Ironheart TV show. And when that story started playing out, I was like, man, I just don't want this in this movie. Like, I, And it's nothing against the actress. It's nothing against that character. It's just like, this movie already has to do so much. And this doesn't even seem like a good way to introduce us to who this person is supposed to be. And it felt very, it, it felt candidly like a sinister, like, Kevin Feige looming over the proceeding being like mm -hmm. we got to get Ironheart in here guys don't forget we got to get Iron now that may, that may not be the case Kugler may love that character that may have always been the intention but watching it I was like this is a even the tone of that character I was like this has nothing to do with any of the grief or any of the sort of like forlorn division between communities concepts of the film and so it really lost me and then by the time you get to the end of the movie and you see Ironheart in action I'm like that character doesn't even look like it belongs in this world so I really tripped on that in a way that like held me back from enjoying even the mo more fun action set pieces of the movie. What did you, what, what did you think? So not perfectly executed, weaker part of the movie, but 
it's a comic. So that's it's, what you're talking about right now is essentially how Black Panther was introduced to the MCU. Mm-hmm. That's true. He comes in in Captain America Civil War. And this is kind of a thing with the MCU. The more movies you get, you would think the more time that you'd have, but it's actually the 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 less time less time that you have, right? Because people want stories and they want them flushed out. Black Panther to me was portrayed better in Civil War than he was in the original Black Panther movie. Like, I gotta be honest with you. So so, but he's he's in that movie that becomes his origin. They've done this before. Black Widow makes her appearance, her first appearance in uh, Iron Man two. Blah blah blah. That's something that either you nail or you don't. And in this movie, didn't quite nail it. I think that that has more to do with people being uninitiated to the characters mm-hmm. than it has to do with the characters themselves. Riri Williams is, um, is a relatively new character, even for comic book readers. So it's not like you started watching Marvel movies for a lot of people and you were like, when are they going to bring Riri Williams in? Now, there are people who think that, but not as many as people who thought, when are they going to bring Black Panther in? When are we going to get to see this character? When are we going to get to see that character? So in order to make us go, hey, this addition to this film with this type of weight works, they'd have to have hit a grand slam, and they didn't. That's fair to say. Yeah. This I, is I, the I, I second time in a row, though, because we just had this with America Chavez in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It's going to happen more, Sean, because like people don't know these characters as much. I, so like, but, I, I'm... I'm but there's a, there, there's a similarity to this story, which is like puckish teenager with extraordinary powers <laughs> who we don't really have a relationship with beyond whatever this movie is telling us the person is. And I think that that actually raises that very interesting conundrum that Amanda cited, which is like, is this a mainstream movie that will draw in a very casual moviegoer and allow it to become a $1 billion movie? Or is, are, is the storytelling increasingly deepening its bench and thus potentially alienating the common moviegoer. Now, if that is the case, that's actually okay. That's certainly up to Marvel to pursue it however they choose. But I I think that it is starting to alienate people a little bit. And not just the Amandas who are like, this isn't generally for me in the, in the first place. I, I don't know if that's true or not. This was the first time in a while, though, where I was like, whoa, this is, this feels super cynical to me to put a character like this in this movie. Even though everything you said is true and you're right that they consistently have done this as a storytelling gambit, there was already just so much work that this movie had to do. And it's two hours and 41 minutes for a reason because they're trying to do too much. Last The, the previous Black Panther movie was like two hours and 12 minutes. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard on it in that respect, but that's part of why I just felt kind of, the pacing just felt stuck in the mud because they're trying to do so many things. I know, I know well, you didn't I, agree. No, no, no. I mean, look, I, I, I knew that people would, I knew that people would feel this way to a degree. Uh, I think one reason why the pacing Another reason why the pacing feels stuck in the mud is because I love the movie, but parts of the movie are a drag. It's just a drag to go into a film, and I don't want to like get all emotional and like ruin the podcast, but like it's just a drag to go in the movie and to watch him die again, and then to go into that montage, and then just that it's just a drag. And for me. It took a little while to get me back into the okay. Like, so how are you supposed to have fun? Yeah, after right. that, like, yeah. You, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. you, you know what I mean. It's just like Good a, point. and and is is and it's by the way, like he didn't die on camera. Like he died like for real. And you're you're watching the movie and you're like, okay, moving me up, moving me, 
moving me, moving me, moving me, moving me, moving me. And I'm watching the film and I'm thinking, damn, I wonder how Angela Bassett walks out and she tells, uh, Queen Ramonda walks out, she tells Shuri's like, your brother's with the ancestors. I'm like, is she really crying? Like, that's what I'm thinking in my mind. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, is she crying for real? Like, when I'm looking at Shuri, I'm like, like, is, is, are these real tears? Like, what's really happening here? So, I just think the movie had a big task. I, I really loved it. I think the movie had a big task, but I just think it, I mean, it's not a fun movie to watch. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not, it's not a lot of, and, and for, for a lot of people that would go to comic book movies, they would go, look, if, if the winged fish man is going to throw me off, at least I can have some fun, right? Yeah. And with this movie, the stakes are always so high and it's always so weighty and it's always grounded that it's like, it might not be that much fun for casual moviegoers. Did you, you know feel what I'm that saying? way? Yes, though I w- wouldn't have identified. I think that's a great point, Van. Um, I, I, I found the opening very moving. Um, okay. I, like, that, that doesn't mean that it was easy or fun to watch. You're right. Um, but I found so it was like the most effective, at least. Mm. Um, and I quite like the ending, too. And I, and I really like the ending, which I'd love to talk to you about, Van, because I love the ending. And in some ways, it's just like undercuts the entire movie. And it's like, <laughs> what if we didn't do any of that? What if you'd just done this instead? And I was like, well, you would have had me. Um, but I I don't think that I was kind of self-aware enough to to recognize that it probably that opening did does sort of just change the my mood as well as I'm watching it and probably makes me even less likely to buy into winged fishman even though I was like probably not super interested in winged fishman you know and like speaking of mythology another thing they do is so they do like the the attack the first attack is sort of a, a the sirens mm-hmm. uh, like it's an audio attack yeah. Lake Bell. Lake Bell. All right. Yeah. I, I have her in my notes. Yes. I, I assume um, we share a passion for Lake Bell, Van. Yes. Yeah. She's a very important lady. Um, Tough break for her. But, the, you know, that is even, <laughs> well, just is. <laughs> we were doing I spoilers. like getting to see her. Um, which, I mean, I hope she got a nice paycheck and that sequence and reminds me. the city of Atlanta as, I, as think I, I know. Do. I think I know what happened there. Um, Oh, go ahead. What happened there? So, I think something was changed with this movie, and not to interject. Yeah. I think there was a lot of speculation that there was going to be, in this film, an ulterior motive run by a much bigger villain behind all of this. Oh. That Lake Bell's character was working on behalf of a much bigger villain, and in a cutscene, you are going to see that that villain was responsible for the... Uh, attack at the outreach center mm-hmm. and for trying to find the vibranium because that villain wanted the vibranium for some reason the Lake Bell character was going to survive and then you would see that this character would talk to this villain in a cutscene at the end of the movie I think they 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 made a decision at the 11th hour 12th hour really to do away with that and therefore you have a really recognizable act actress who's been working for a very long time shows up and gets killed in one scene and you're like, why was she in this? So, like, I think that's what happened there. And I think that's what most comic book people who have unfortunately followed leaks and read all kinds of stuff, 
uh, kind of get from that. This might not be meaningful to you, but to me, that's actually kind of a f- failure of the last few films too, is that I just still don't really know where we are in this story. Like I don't really, and I don't want to jump ahead too far, but like yeah. f- I've seen all the phase four films and TV shows. I'm up on it. I don't know what the fuck. I mean, I know what they're leading to because I read the trades and I watched D23, I but I'm like. To, and I don't read the tra- Well, I know on a, a large level. But not in the same way that I think yeah, they very know. coherently set us up for Thanos, right? Yeah, for and, sure. And by the end of phase one, you were like, all right, I know where we're going. And in the mo- they put him in the movie. Yes, that was nice of them. They chose not yeah. to put whoever you're talking about in this movie for reasons that I don't totally understand. Nevertheless, yeah. continue with what you're saying. Well, I was just saying, so even the setup, that's a, that's a cool idea. I was like, ooh, sirens, like audio attack. That's, that's interesting. I've never seen that before. I can buy into a certain amount of this um, fun or silliness, whatever you want to call it, like this other world. But then I guess it was a combination of what Van pointed out of like, you're not really there emotionally at that moment. Um, and then also, I just think they're that set piece and most of the set pieces are really poorly executed and they look bad. And that is another way where it just like you want me to buy in. You got to try a little harder for me to like want to watch this. And I just thought technically it and I know this is a recurring problem in these films. It just didn't look it just didn't work visually for me. Sadly, I agree. I, so, I thought that the action was kind of on par with the recent action in the MCU movies, which is to say not very good. Now, I I think the biggest criticism that Black Panther got, I know not necessarily from you, Van, but I thought was that largely it was this very sophisticated, stylish, fun movie that had some kind of lame CGI fights in it, um, particularly mm-hmm. the f- kind of final the showdown. Didn't work. The, f- right. the final showdown, yeah, between yeah. Killmonger and Black Panther, yeah. You know, it just kind of looked like a video game a little bit. And that this movie, mm-hmm. it feels like at times kind of doubles down on that, which is a really weird does. choice to do like a lot of flying robots and a big fight on an aircraft carrier that just looks like super fake. And I, I'm kind of confused why I, that just doesn't, maybe I'm just giving him too much credit, but that just doesn't seem like something Ryan Coogler wants in his movie. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he wants to do a big action set piece like that, but it's like, I guarantee you we're going to see Avatar in a couple weeks and it's going to look a thousand yeah. times better. I couldn't not than think the fights. about Avatar during well, this movie. Yeah. Well, I, that's not fair, guys. <laughs> Isn't it, it though? I mean, we're, it's an underwater saga from the Disney Corporation. It, it, well, it's totally different when, you know, I mean, I mean, if you're, if we're in the, I, look, I'm, I don't know why, why we got to think about Avatar as Black Panther. <laughs> well, I know, but I <laughs> because I couldn't help it because it puts it in your mind. They're blue I, I, because they're blue people. And also, well, that was a factor. Avatar, yeah. the way of water is, and I know that's another three plus hour movie about, frankly, silliness that I'm going to have to buy into. So my, Open my awareness heart, is there. For Christ's sake, for Big Jim. I liked the original Avatar. I did. Um, I yeah, don't. Yeah, your nay on Avatar, man. The first one. I liked it. I liked it too. I liked it. Yeah. Great. I See, like, man, but that that emotion, how you feel right now, mm-hmm. just hold on to that and because that's what it's like to be me all the time on this podcast. <laughs> like <laughs> you what? You know what I mean? Like the way that you were like, I liked it. You know, I <laughs> but, can just but tell. So, but but so here's the thing. I I'm oh I love movies, right? So do I. And I, I know I, of course I know you guys love movies. I think Sean likes movies. I'm not sure. How dare you? I yeah. am the world's loudest and most annoying advocate for movies. He loves movies. I'm joking. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, I, I 
Avatar, like I'm from the country, right? So I go into Avatar and I just fall into wonderment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Unobtainium. Yeah. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, ooh, the Navi. I'm like, ooh. And I'm like, before you know it, I'm like, okay, cool. All right. We're fighting. The guy's got a big mech suit on with a big knife. And he's, <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's fighting against Jacob Sully. Yeah. And it, we're, we're doing the whole thing. And I'm like, all right, I'm here with you. Um, so I look, and then James Cameron is just a fucking fantastic director. Yeah. I, I look, if I, I don't think I <laughs> isn't Black Panther and Marvel as powerful in the culture as a James Cameron movie yeah, sure, sure, sure. It it, it is, it, it's imp- but it's it's powerful, but I think, you know, one movie this guy's working 13 years on it. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. you, you know what I mean? And 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 that movie is like this this guy who's this as directing deity, right? Forgo for for decided to forego his entire career for one, for for one franchise. Yeah, it'll probably look better than Black Panther did yeah. because is that too much when, to ask as a film fan, Van? That that I, everyone just give up their lives for thirteen years to make one good film? I was in my twenties the last time he dropped one of these movies. I'm forty two. All right, so yeah, that, it'll probably look better. And I, I get what you guys are saying because everybody was going to think that because people like people are like are they blue in the comics? Yeah, they're blue in the comics. They're you know Atlanteans. Yeah. But but no, um, I I I think that uh, even in the first movie though, a lot of people's their criticisms were some of the fight scenes. Yeah, like, like in the movies, and there's a very you know what the Russos do for the MCU. It's not easy to do that, right? And and we're just talking about this. And they're they're experts at doing they're it. They're better other, at that. Yes. yes. They're better at that. And with the other movies, it's kind of like, I'm not gonna say that's not true. It's buyer beware with some of this other stuff. You know what I mean? It's touch and go with how they're able to execute it. And some, you know, Chloe Zhao is a fantastic film director. Do not get me wrong. You know what I mean? Francis wandered in a movie for all of this time. And I was transfixed. But that doesn't mean that a big fight between celestial beings is going to be her cup of tea. Yep. Right. You feel me? So I get that. That's a, fair, that's, a, that's a fair criticism for sure. And I think the other issue is that just because... What's the new world called? It's not Atlantis. Talokan. 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 Um, is an underwater kingdom. You're just spending more time in animated underwater land along with all of the CGI'd fights. So there's it's just kind of time spent in You a, didn't like the Talokan scene? I liked a couple of them, but I I really just I prefer natural light. I actually like the flashback to the origin yeah. of Talokan. I didn't love being in Talokan, unfortunately. I loved Did you? being in Oh my god, they're playing a little song and it's, it's the one you guys hashtag Wonderment. <laughs> it's the Wonderment. They got their own. They got their own sports. Yep. In yeah. Telecon. Yep. They're yeah. playing. You know what I mean. They're throwing a ball through a circle of like the Jets. Okay. They're throwing a ball through a circle of some sort. I'll tell you something, Amanda. Yes. I'm of the opinion that if the Telecon scene doesn't work for you in this movie, it's impossible to like the movie. I. I- I agree with that. And I think that was sort of sort of the issue. And some of that is personal preference. And some of that is 
I think just the division of time and you spend so much time in that animated world as opposed to in, you know, I, I find the production design and the costume design in Black Panther and in this movie um, in Wakanda to be like the electrifying wonderful part of this movie. I, like I did say to you that I think Ruth Carter should win another Oscar, even though I didn't really like this movie, but I, I don't know. I just, if you can't buy into that, then you don't buy into the rest of it. And I couldn't quite buy into it. Mm. One thing, so I rewatched uh, the first film and I, I, I'm, I'm very high on the first movie. Um, I know you're not Van. I know you're probably somewhere less enthusiastic than I am, but you still liked it. The first movie, in part because of the Ruth Carter costume design, Hannah Beachler, um production design, if it's largely in one place. And you're existing inside of Wakanda, which has this very clearly like Afrofuturist inspired series of looks. And it never looks like you don't have to shift your mental visual palette ever. In this movie, we're in so many places that ship at night, Riri's dorm room, Talokan, Wakanda, Everett Ross's jogging trip, his kitchen. The movie's just all over the place. And so you never get what ultimately feels like a coherent visual style, which is something I've never said about another Kugler movie. Every Kugler movie, it's like, we are in a place. There, you have a really strong sense of place. Probably no more than Black Panther, which just created an entire country out of whole cloth and did so pretty magnificently mm-hmm. to the point where like, they fucking nominated a Marvel movie for Best Picture. That's how yeah. good, he, good a job he did at that. And... I think that's just one more thing and I, it, it, it contributes to the larger criticism I have which is just like it's just so much stuff like Julie Louis-Dreyfus and Ever, and and, and um, the Everett Ross character like that's a whole other plot line that they're trying to get us going with the Thunderbolts and whatever they're trying mm-hmm. to set up there and yeah, I couldn't get all this other stuff out of my head when I was watching it and focus on say whatever Letitia Wright is trying to do to further the Shuri story and to get us invested in her or you know, to for a time get invested in Queen Ramonda and, and Angela Bassett, who like has a lot of phone conversations with characters and other like storytelling crutch where you're like, so these guys like not available on the same day. Like, why are they using the Wakandan bracelet to talk to each other? Like, it's just like hacky comic book movie stuff where I was like, man, I thought we were above this with this with the, with this specific franchise, and we're not. And that's I was I was bummed, man. I'm and there sorry. are like eight more people that you didn't mention. Like Michaela Cole is yeah. in this movie. Uh, except she's like not really. It was about seven minutes, you know, and she like looked beautiful and has charisma, but it's just there's nothing to do. It just there's a lot going on. Can I say one more thing, Ben, before I let you uh, no no retort yeah, yeah, and call yeah. me a bad ally? Um, <laughs> I when I rewatched the first one, I really loved the casino fight. I think that's like a really great action set piece. Um, yeah, maybe the only great action set piece in that movie, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Okoye is like amazing in that scene mm-hmm. and the scene is sort of bit built around her and her dynamism and her physicality. Sure. We get a couple of moments like that in the, in the second movie but nothing that even came close to being as exciting for me personally. So I just got depressed when I watched it last night. So Okoye fights with uh, I thought one of the best parts of the movie was the redefinition of a of, uh, of power in the universe. And that's done um, through a scene uh, with Okoye fighting against Atuma, who 
in the comic books is an enemy of Namor. Mm. Uh, he's also an Atlantean who believes that he should be ruling Atlantis. And he's in this film and he has a fight with Okoye after they try to uh, rescue Riri from her dorm room and they fight. And he gives her the Bane Bruce Wayne treatment. I thought he was going to start talking about you think darkness is your ally. He was <laughs> kicking her down. Mm-hmm. And I thought that those scenes like that really worked for me because the Wakandans have been the biggest badasses on Earth and Marvel has gone... I mean, even the movie begins with Shuri not being able to see, save her brother's life. She cured, like, Ross's paralysis in, like, a half hour in the first movie. So there's a redefinition of Wakanda that happens in this movie that I think is very important. It shows how how frail and how vulnerable the kingdom is. And so I thought that there were things that worked. I thought that um, the initial attack on Wakanda when they flooded out the entire country was breathtaking. The, the final fight, I've watched enough Marvel movies to give them a pass on final fights. Come on. They, what are we talking I, about? I got to be honest with you. This is the visual climax of the film. They're the Russell Westbrook of final fights. Okay. <laughs> Shooting a low percentage. Yes, they Our are. final fight, Marvel has notorious third act problems. Some of the final fights are fantastic. Some of them are eh. Obviously, Infinity War, Endgame, Winter Soldier, you know, Civil War, all of these are great. You look at some of the other ones, maybe they don't work as well. Spider-Man No Way Home, the whole movie is for the final fight. Yeah. So for the final fight here, I thought what happened on the boat was less important than the intimate final battle that we got between Namor and Shuri, which I really, really, really enjoyed. Just to see her and him mano a mano. Now, being a comic book fan, watching it, in my mind, am I thinking, this movie's an all-timer if it's T'Challa fighting her and fighting him right there. That's not to be sexist, guys. It has nothing to do with that. It has yeah. to do with the fact that the weight of the ruler of the country, two rulers of the a war between kings, it's just a different scene. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just a different scene at that point. So I understand all you guys' criticisms. And look, I knew that I knew that these were going to be criticisms of the movie because it's not as easy a movie to enjoy as the first one. And it's got some struggles and it wasn't going to work for everyone. I, I, I joke with you guys, but I think everything that you're saying is, you know, they're going to be valid criticisms of the film. And we're, and, and we're seeing a little bit more of this. But for me personally, um, like I was really moved and I really enjoyed it. And they managed to cast the cutest kid ever to be cast oh in God. a movie ever. Can we at least agree on the kid? He was amazing. Well, so I, there are two <laughs> things that really did work for me. Right. The first was, and I totally can't remember the context of this at this point, which, you know, really, I guess really says everything about my thoughts on the movie. But there is... At some climactic moment, when uh, Shuri is a, is about to not do something, as it turns out, and they are tying kind of Shuri's journey and Namor's journey and really the journey to both of their mothers. And it's about like a 90 second to two minute sort of like flashback, emotional, whatever, which like totally worked on me. And I found like it like really walloped me. Um, so I thought that was great. And uh, to your point, Van, not necessarily fun, but like emotional and, you know, obviously moms. But then also this 
the the ending and that small child who is the cutest kid ever. But so like, why did we do everything that we just did if that's going to be the ending of the movie? You know what I what mean? Do you mean? What do you mean? What do why, you mean? No, I don't. What do you mean? Why did we do the everything that happened in Wakanda forever and then that was the ending. Like, we could have just, couldn't have that been the starting point of the movie? Why didn't they make that the movie? Why didn't they make that little kid part of the movie? I had the same thought. <laughs> that scene what? is great. It's also, like, Lupita Nyong'o doesn't get a ton to do in the movie. Right, she's barely in it. And she's like a, she's a superpower unto herself, putting her in your movie. Yeah. And then uh-huh. you get this scene where you've got Shuri's arc is completed, and she sits down on the beach. Are they in Haiti when she sits down on the beach? Yeah. She's in Haiti, they're in Haiti, right. And... They introduced this kid who I agree is like, he's the vibranium of child actors. And, uh, great. And two, two powerful, charismatic actors. And you're like, oh, here's our king. Yeah. King T'Challa's mm-hmm. back. But, right. Why? Could, why? Couldn't it have been King T'Challa? Yeah. Couldn't he have been King T'Challa at the beginning? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different movie. It's a, it's a, it's a teen Disney movie. No. King T'Challa. No. No. It's, it's like, it's not the, it's a, we how are we gonna we 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 can't go to his so I thought the movie did that perfectly. We can't go to his story until we've completed everybody else's. So we can't move. So the kid. So the, the so so we can't go to his story until everybody was in the orbit. Wakanda is a monarchy, right? It's it, it's a monarchy. So like, the king died. So we have to know, in my opinion at least, how the death of the king, the guy who really had just... Think about this real quick. Yeah. So think think timeline-wise here. So T'Challa, Black Panther starts right after Civil War ends. So Civil War, the whole movie plays. He, his father dies in Civil War. He's going back home. Like the movie, he's going back home to be coronated after his father has passed away. So T'Challa, the, the, the journey of the original Black Panther movie is him like earning the mantle of king. Not through ritual combat, but through conflict, through someone trying to come and take it from him. Mm-hmm. It's of him earning it, not just being given to him. He has to earn it several times. He has to earn it against... Jadaka, Killmonger, he has to earn it against M'Baku, right? So that's what the movie is about. So you get there and we we take all of that time to build that character. All of that time for him to build alliances in Wakanda, for him to build an alliance with the Jabari, for him to, for him to gain uh, the, uh, the respect of the council, all of that stuff. And then all of that happens, the blip happens, he's gone for a while, he comes back, then he dies. So in my mind, I'm thinking that is a seismic disruption to that entire community. That's like a seismic disruption to them. Like they are nerfed out. And I want to see how they dealt with that before we get to the kid. There was still a lot of other, other loose ends to tie up. And I thought that now that there's some semblance of normalcy there, we can start talking about the future of Wakanda, but it would have been a different to, difficult to talk about the future of Wakanda without sort of dealing with the present of it. I think you're right. I think that that the kid and the in credit 
is the ending to a different movie than the one that I saw. Let's just say the, the actor's name is Divine Love Konadu's son, which is one of the greatest names I've ever heard yeah. in my life. But, uh, but Van, the movie that you just outlined of tying up all of the loose ends in Wakanda is like one undercooked third of <laughs> this movie. Well, I'll also say I, I kind of hate criticism that's like, here's a better version of your movie because I don't know how to make a better movie yeah, than Ryan Coogler. But a way you could have told this story in my mind is T'Challa dies. It's tragic. Wakanda is in a state of uncertainty. Toussaint, a.k.a. T'Challa Jr., comes to Wakanda. And then Shuri feels a calling to become Black Panther in the absence of her brother. And then there is a kind of aunt-nephew inherent conflict. And then as that is sorting itself out and Wakanda is trying to determine its leadership going forward, Namor arrives. And there is a threat upon the threat. And that there is your conflict. As opposed to whatever's happening with Ironheart and whatever's happening with the U.S. intervention in, you know, in Wakanda and in Atlantis. And, like, focus the story on Wakanda. Keep us there. But there is an outside force that is threatening it. And that's like, I mean, candidly, it's it's a kind of story that Game of Thrones has told expertly in the past. Maybe not House of the Dragon. But Game of Thrones was very good at posing who should be the heir. Maybe it's not a better movie. Maybe it's not. But I had a very similar feeling to Amanda, which is when we got to that story beat, I was like, this is something that I'm emotionally attached to. Yeah. This is, this is literally T'Challa's legacy. And if you want to keep that in my uh, mind... The whole country is T'Challa's legacy. Perhaps. Then sp- let us spend more time yeah, there. Yeah, we know? didn't I, spend I, enough the, time there. The, 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 the Black Panther is T'Challa's legacy. Mm. The moment she becomes the Black Panther... <laughs> but but Van, you guys I, like that? Well, the moment she becomes yeah. a Black Panther, she's fulfilled the birthright of her family. Think about it; she lost everyone. They're like the Kennedys. Yeah, like, I, I like curse. that idea. Yeah, let's, let's, she lost everyone, good. and so she has to. You know what I mean? That was a that was a very strong concept. That again, I think in a narrower movie, come on, I Amanda, sisters are doing it for themselves. <laughs> Shuri. <laughs> It's story time. We don't need to bring know, in the man, little guy and, just yet. And you've identified that it, it, like her becoming Black Panther, is like a complicated and not entirely jubilant thing within the world of this movie or the world at large, because obviously she's, you know, replacing Chadwick Boseman because of tragic circumstances. But in our screening, when that happened, the there was not a rush of energy in that room. And I thought that was interesting. I think that I think I, I saw it twice. Yeah, I think in both screenings there was. Uh, hmm. How about this? I think in both screenings there was an uncertainty. Nah, let me be all the way real. I, I think that Letitia Wright is a fantastic performer. She's great. Had her on Higher Learning. Fantastic. I do think that she's just not quite there yet in terms of that. That was a lot to ask her to do, and she did it. She did a great job. But Chad had been building up to play that role for a long time. Yeah, and he was he was he was this is a huge challenge of the movie. He was born to play it. You know what I mean? And And so it's an impossible 
role to fill and like an incredibly difficult thing to ask anyone to do. And I agree with you that it's just not, it doesn't totally gel. Yeah. Yeah. But let me tell you something right now. I'm going to rank movies all time. Top all movies, movies. The greatest or, movies of all or, time. Or MC. Top five movies ever. Okay. This, I, uh, you sure you don't want to make this another episode? No. Number five, Raising Arizona. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. Good pick. Really good. Number four, Madhouse with John Larroquette. Okay. Keep okay. going. <laughs> Number three, The Godfather. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Number two, The Godfather 2. Number one, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. <laughs> You've been you've been very generous with your time today. Um, I love you guys. Can I last question for you before you go? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Watch Madhouse, good. by the way, with John Larroquette. It's Watch okay. It. I'm I've mad that it. you didn't put Working Girl on that list since we're on the, oh! on the podcast together. Whoa! You love, love Working that. Girl. You love, love Working Girl. That movie. Yeah. I, it's Van. That's cinema. we've talked about this before. It's a it's an all time. Spiritual favorite for both the of us. OG Shuri, yeah, the original. That's the original Black Panthers right there. You're te- you don't have to tell me that weird Alec Baldwin popping in, popping out, literally. Yeah, yeah but, okay. go, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, you feel good about where Marvel's going? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> is there a part of you that is like Endgame was actually was the crowning achievement, and then it's kind of you know fan servicey and a little bit too scattered for its own good at the moment? Um, yeah. So. Look, it, what you're looking at, and I think, well, I think we can all agree whether or not you think the movies are all winners or whether or not you think that they're breaking some kind of new creative ground or not, that what they've been able to do as a filmmaking experiment is remarkable. Yeah. Right? It's remarkable. And I think we're getting to a very interesting point with the MCU to where commerce and filmmaking are intersecting in a very like fascinating way because comic books are all about the writers. A guy does a run of a comic book, a lady does a run of a comic book and that redefines the character or whatever films. You just can't give that in something like this. They're they're almost these huge financial entities into in and of themselves and you can't be free willing and as daring with them as you want. The MCU was able to get away with it because it gave you just enough style and an intertwined story. But now it seems like the movies don't have any heartbeat. There's no snap. Some of these films are almost parodies of themselves. Like, to be honest with you, Thor Love and Thunder is like a spoof of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Almost intentionally, and like I don't know if Marvel knew it when they were doing it, but Taika did know it. Uh well, he didn't make a very good movie. So I, I if agree. you're gonna, do, yeah. So so you know what I mean? Like it's like it's like we to Amanda's point. I'm I'm a big child. I think we all know this at the Ringer by this point. <laughs> so I, I'm here for the joke, but don't rub it in my face. You know what I mean? Like yeah. make like like l- let's try a little bit, and and sometimes. Less is more, but they can't do less. It's impossible to do less. Captain America Winter Soldier was less. That movie is a as sleek and sexy as, of, of a comic book spy thriller if you're as you're going to get. It's impossible to make that movie now. There's just too much on the audience. They want to see all the cameos. They want to see all the stuff. It has to be a joke per second. It, it's almost now they're being crushed. And like the good stuff, like Werewolf by Night, which was fantastic. 
You gotta stick that on Disney Plus somewhere. I know because you don't know how the how the audience is gonna gonna relate to it. I did know? say that to Amanda. I was like, I wish that there was just more like this. That was just like more like reading an issue of a comic book. And yep. I, I think they would be well served by that. But I, you're right that there is a economic imperative. Any closing thoughts on Wakanda Forever? Anything you want to share before we wrap with Ben? So I just wanted to ask a question. This is the end of Phase Four. It is. Yeah. What What's up next? Am I gonna like it? No. <laughs> so what's up next? So what's up next? The, 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 so the next the next movie is Ant Man Quantum Mania. Right, right, right. But Jonathan Majors is gonna be in that, right? Because they're gonna bring in the guy from the Kang. Is that his Kang name? the Conqueror? There you go. And Kang. then they just they're gonna restart everything, right? So we just multiverse no. it out. We're gonna multiverse it out, but Amanda, I'm gonna hit you up with some some back issues. Okay. <laughs> You're about to be Amanda back issue Dobbins. Okay, great. And we're gonna get on the Zoom once a week before. Like I'm telling you, we should sell tickets to this. This is a good video series for the ring. Yeah. Next summer, okay. Amanda's gonna be coming in here talking about Squirrel Girl. Okay. And all kinds. Of, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna make you a comic book expert. I'm gonna get Rob from Comics Explain, Eric Voss, New Rock Stars, all of my nerd partners together. Okay. Because you gotta really. I need your buy-in. Okay. okay. I need your buy-in from Quantum. You think Mania. Squirrel Girl is going to make that happen? You would love Squirrel Girl. You have Squirrel Girl energy. What about you Madam have Web? Squirrel Girl? Oh my God! You oh, would she love not? Squirrel Girl. You yeah. absolutely do. Yeah. I'm gonna Google this later and be really insulted. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, this was fun as always, Van. Thank you so much. Love uh, you. Guys. Higher learning, Ringerverse. Appreciate you, Amanda. Thank you. Thanks to our producer Bobby Wagner for his work on today's episode. Next week. Movie Draft is back, 1997. Be there, be square. 